Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, and welcome to Shelf Logic. My name is Caroline. And I'm Sierra. And I'm Danielle. And welcome back to another installment of the TBR podcast. Yay, I'm loving Woo-hoo. this. Yeah, this has been really fun. Yeah. It's been a good way to um, clear our TBRs mm-hmm. for some of us who have very high TBRs. <laughs> and uh. even for those of us who don't. Yes. Yeah, just pushing us to read books we wouldn't normally gravitate toward right away. Yeah. So uh, this month, um, I guess we can go over real quick, refresh what we read. Um, I read Cackle by Rachel Harrison and The House of Kennedy by James Patterson. I read Flight 93 by Tom McMillan and Voices from the Pandemic by Eli Saslow. You had some. I had some deep ones. We'll get into that. Um, So I read All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr, and I read The Maidens. Um, I can't say this person's last name, (laughs) Michaelides, Michaelides, I don't know, but sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are what I read. Yay. Who wants to kick us off? I can go first. I'm going to start with the one that I am 85% done with. I'm so close. I don't know why I started listening to the audiobook on just single speed when I almost always listen to audiobooks on one and a half speed. I would have been done with it if I would have done that instead of just changing it like two days ago. Um, It's fine. But it has been, man, these two reads, you guys hold some bad numbers for me. No, they've been they've been good reads. I'm I'm looking forward to finishing this one as much as one can look forward to finishing a book about 9/11. The full title is Flight 93: The Story, the Aftermath, and the Legacy of American Courage on 9/11. Um, and then I'm going to read a bit of the Goodreads description for everybody. Um, it goes like this. United Airlines Flight 93, which took off from the Newark airport the morning of September 11th, 2001, is perhaps the most famous flight in modern American history. We know of the passenger uprising, but there's so much more to the story besides its harrowing and oft-told climax. Amazingly, the definitive account of this seminal event has yet to be written. This book offers the most complete account of what actually took place aboard Flight 93 from its delayed takeoff in Newark to the moment it plunged upside down at 563 miles per hour into an open field in rural Somerset County, Pennsylvania. Flight 93 provides a riveting and complete narrative of the lead-up, event, and aftermath of the flight based on interviews, oral histories, personal tours of the crash site, and evidence recently made public. I'll stop there because we'll just talk about really what it's about um, some more here. So I've appreciated this book. I was thinking about this, kind of what I was going to say. It's like, I can't use the word enjoyed because of the topic. Um, As somebody who's just always been kind of intrigued by the history of 9-11, but was very protected from it when it happened, um... There's, just, there's always been things that I feel like, because I don't remember it, I'm missing a piece of American history that I was alive during. So um, this kind of thing has always just intrigued me. Um, looking at the lives of all the people on board the plane, and then also the people who committed the acts that were committed that day, um, has just been really... I don't even know what word to use. Enlightening isn't the right word, but it's just, it's been, it's just been. (laughs) Um, There, it talks a lot about the lives of the attackers leading up to 9-11, kind of what led to them being part of this. 
And then I recently finished the portion of the book where it talks about the actual events of what happened and what we know of what happened and just the absolute heroic deeds of these 40 people that stopped this plane from getting wherever it was intended to go in D.C. Um, It also rehashed all of the phone calls that were made, which Mm. I because I was young, didn't and didn't fly these airlines as a kid, um, didn't know that there were phones on airplanes at the time. So that has that was really kind of interesting and getting to hear. I've always wondered, like, how did they get all these phone calls? Like, yeah. your cell phone, which one, weren't really things back then, but even today, like, I don't think that if we even turned them on that they would connect well. So... Listening to the transcripts of those phone calls was really brutal. Listening to what happened at the crash site and all the aftermath of them going through it was really brutal. Um, But I've really appreciated the book overall. So I don't know if I would say the term recommend (laughs) either just because of the the content, but if this is something that you're interested in, um, it has definitely been a really good read. And yeah, that's about all I can say. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what, I don't, I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't even know what to say in response. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's heavy. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's heavy, but it's so interesting and important. And, um, I have the same feeling. Like I've been grateful. The more time passes, the more information they can gather and the more they can publish. And mm-hmm. there are some really, really interesting books out there about, yeah. about nine eleven, and especially what? about the victims. Um, yeah. And like what lives they lived before. Yeah. Well, and just the heroic acts that they did have. I mean, it could have been so much worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was horrible, but this specific <clears throat> flight path could have gone in a very different direction. Yeah. And if it were not for the passengers, it would have. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a heavy one. Yeah. So. We pulled you two heavy ones. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> brutal. What kind of friends are you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> it's okay. It's been it's been good. Good. So, cool. are you gonna finish it? I am. Okay. I'm definitely gonna finish it. Okay. I mean, come on. I'm 85 percent of the way well, through. Like, it's fair. I, I, I'm not a quitter. Yeah. I can't quit. I mean, really there. I would if I really had to, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It is. Yeah. It is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Worthwhile read. It is a worthwhile. That's a good word. Okay. Yes. Good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Am I up? Are you up? You go. Okay. Um, a total 180 on, uh, topic. Um, I'll review (laughs) Cackle first by Rachel Harrison. Um, so this is the Goodreads description. A darkly funny, frightening novel about a young woman learning how to take what she wants from a witch who may be too good to be true from the author of The Return. All her life, Annie was playing nice and safe. After being unceremoniously dumped by her longtime boyfriend, Annie seeks a fresh start. She accepts a teaching position that moves her from Manhattan to a small village in upstate New York. She's stunned by how perfect perfect and picturesque the town is. The people are friendly and warm. Her apartment is dreamy, minus the oddly persistent spider infestation. Then Annie meets Sophie, beautiful, charming, magnetic Sophie, who takes a special interest in Annie, who wants to be her friend. More importantly, she wants Annie to stop apologizing and start living for herself. That's how Sophie lives. Annie can't help but gravitate toward the self-possessed Sophie, wanting to spend more and more time with her, despite the fact that the rest of the town folks seem a little afraid of her. Mm-hmm. So this was a really fun read. Um, I, definitely more of a Halloween read. <laughs> like It was kind of <laughs> funny to read it in the middle of March. Um, but it was a really fun story. Um, it was... 
a witch story, but kind of enveloped in a story about friendship and self-discovery. Um, Annie is, like, not confident in herself at all when she first uh, moves to this little town, which, of course, being from upstate New York, I was like, what town, though? Tell me the name of the town. (laughs) I want to know where we are. Um, And she is, like, constantly thinking that, like, everything she's doing is a mistake and that she should go back to Manhattan and she should try to, like, win her boyfriend back. And when she meets Annie – or, I'm sorry, when she meets Sophie, Sophie, like – really pushes her to just like be confident do your own thing you don't need no man which i love (laughs) um and she like starts to discover not only does she not need her boyfriend um she as she's befriending sophie sophie's great but she starts to realize she like really doesn't need anybody that she can be self-reliant and she can find happiness like through herself um it was fun. It, it was occasionally a little slow. I ended up giving it four out of five stars on Goodreads because it occasionally was like, I don't know if it was too much detail or if like the voice was just kind of dry at some points. Like Annie is a little like sarcastic and it made for some like occasionally very dry moments in the book. But overall, it was really fun. Once it starts to pick up, I really enjoyed it. So it was a good one. I would recommend it closer to Halloween. Um, <laughs> but if you like like a witchy story anytime, then I'd say pick it up. Okay. It was very fun. What I made you it. put it on your Goodreads list? That's such an excellent question. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this was probably a time when... I wonder if I can see when I added it to my Goodreads list. Um, I was probably just putting a bunch of like witchy books on, ho- on hold around Halloween um and or on my goodreads list i suppose um because i don't looking at it i was like i don't remember putting this on my list i don't remember why it was on my list um but i but it was uh oh i marked it to read over a year ago didn't you read a book called not the witchy way i did okay. <laughs> i'm telling you i think i went through just like okay. a halloweeny like witchy period where okay. i was like any halloween <laughs> book oh I figured it out okay. last year for the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge, which if you're not doing it, you should be. Um, uh, last year, one of the prompts was a book about a witch. Oh. So I think I just went like searching for witch books on Goodreads and just like mm. saved a bunch and was like, I'll come back to one of these for the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge. Okay. Came back to one of them and not all of them, obviously. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's probably where that came from if I okay. put this on a year ago. That makes sense. That's where the downfall of the TBR list is. It's a, it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> but then we get too many get on weeds. our TBR mm-hmm. list. <clears throat> yep. And then you find yourself in the TBR weeds. And that's where I'm Reading live. Halloween books in March. Yeah. It's fine. That is yeah, where Caroline fine. lives. It's, yeah. It's chronic. <laughs> it's okay. I like it. It's, it's a good problem to have. It is All things problem. considered. Yeah. Yes. It's a fun problem to have. There yes. you go. Is it my turn? It It is. is. Okay. So both of these books gave me a lot of feelings and very like drastically different feelings. Both are by, okay, here's the thing. If you're like, oh, hey, have you heard this song by so-and-so? I don't know who so-and-so is. Like, I just like sing the song to me and I'll tell you if I've heard it. Like, I'm not much different with books. I I know titles of books and covers of books, but I don't necessarily know the author. Mm. Um, So I think I mentioned last time I picked these two books because I see them all the time in the library. I see them um, circulating a lot, and they just, the covers looked cool. I judged a book by its cover for these two. (laughs) Well, it turns out I've read books by both of these authors, books that I very much enjoyed. Um, 
So the first one is I'm going to talk about is The Maidens by the Michaelides. Um, same author of The Silent Patient, mm-hmm. which I very much enjoyed The Silent Patient. Um, so I'm going to read you the Goodreads description. Edward Fosca, Fosca, Fosca is a murderer. Of this, Mariana is certain. But Fosca is untouchable. A handsome and charismatic Greek tragedy professor at Cambridge University, Fosca is adored by staff and student alike, particularly by the members of a secret society of female students known as the Maidens. Mariana Andros is a brilliant but troubled group therapist and becomes fixated on the Maidens when one of her one one member, a friend of Mariana's niece Zoe, is found murdered in Cambridge. Mariana, who was once a student at the university, quickly suspects that behind the idyllic, idyllic beauty of the spires and turrets and beneath the ancient traditions lives something sinister. Mm-hmm. When another body is found, Mariana's obsession with proving Fosca's guilt spirals out of control, threatening to destroy her credibility as well as her closest relationships. But Mariana is determined to stop this killer, even if it costs her everything, including her own life. Ooh. Very interesting super into greek um mythology and things like that so i like and like i said I, it was it's the same author as the silent patient and i really enjoyed that book um so once i realized that it was that author though like if you haven't read the silent patient there's definitely a twist um and so i was looking for a twist in this one too mm. like i was kind of had my little feelers out for one um i halfway guessed it but I'm going to read you my Goodreads description. I gave this three stars. Um, I really wanted to give this book more than three stars, but at the end of the day, I can't. The twist was ugly, and it kind of, for lack of a better word, ruined the book for me. I listened to the book and enjoyed the narration. The story was intriguing. I liked the mystery. I had two people in mind for a suspect, and it ended up being one of the two, but in a gross way. I would recommend this book to have a conversation about it, um, and side note, I had read The Silent Patient, and I did enjoy the way the two books tied together. So if you've read The Silent Patient, um, there is like a little Easter egg in The Maidens that ties the two together, which was neat. Um, but like this book was, I was all for it, like four or five stars until literally the last like 10% of the book. And I was like, this is disgusting, and I hate you. Why would you do this? Why did this have to be the ending you chose? And um, I told my mom to read it because I needed someone to talk to about it. And she was like, oh, Danielle, you need to go on the Reddit thread. People are up in arms all over the place. And so I was like, yeah, more people to hate this ending with. But but it's hard to say don't read the book because it's actually a really good book. The story is intriguing to me. Um, like I said, up until like the very literal end, I really was into mm. this book. Um, it is very similar to The Silent Patient. The Silent Patient did have a lot of like mythology in it as well that kind of tied into the story so this followed suit a little bit um so take from that what you will I don't know if I would say I recommend it or I don't I I'm kind of like I'm up in arms about it man yeah it was good and then the end and then I just was angry and I just had some feelings (laughs) so that's where I was with that when I read it quick though because it just moved really like at a really good pace and I really like the narration it and then the end happened. Yeah. I'm still not over it, guys. I'm still not over it. <laughs> I definitely want to read it. I mean, uh, I think it's been on my my to-read list. Um, I know The Silent Patient is for certain. But, like, I think I think sometimes authors do this on purpose. Like, 
create an ending that you know is going to create conversation, whether it's going to be good conversation or bad conversation, because yeah. regardless, you've got me intrigued. Right. Yeah. Like now I want to read it just because I want to know what happened. Right. I know. I. It's one of those things where I feel like, again, having the, the ending that nobody likes, mm-hmm. you're right. It does create a lot of conversation, but as a reader, it also makes me a little mad. Yeah. It's just like, I've, I've had a few like that over the years where I'm like, what? Why did you have to yeah. do that? Mm-hmm. And I will say, um, if you haven't read The Silent Patient, technically The Maidens is a prequel. Okay. Okay. But The Silent Patient was published first. So I mm. really think you could read these in any order. Like I said, I read mm. The Silent Patient first. Um, and so because I had read it, I recognized the Easter eggs that were in The Maidens. Um, whereas I, I don't think I would have had I read them the other way around. Um, so I would probably say it's more fun to read The Silent Patient first so that you can see how how the author ties them to the two together but good info yeah that's my just my, my tbr <laughs> recommendation or not however you want to interpret however, it yeah exactly whatever you want to do with that go like read it. the reddit threads if you need someone to be angry with yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes or, come that's all about. or come find me man come find me <laughs> i will talk about it I love She's got that. feelings. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's just about it about book recommendations. It's like people like you can take it, you can enjoy the read and not like the book, mm-hmm. and then also enjoy the read and like the book. Yeah. I feel like yeah, it can go a lot of different ways. So. Yeah. All right, my second one is Voices from the Pandemic: Americans Tell Their Stories of Crisis, Courage, and Resilience. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and just read the description first, and then I'll get into it. The COVID-19 pandemic was a world-shattering event affecting everyone in the nation. From its first ominous stirrings, renowned, wow, renowned journalist (laughs) Eli Saslow began interviewing a cross-section of Americans capturing their experiences in real time. An exhausted and anguished EMT risking his life in New York City, a grocery store owner feeding his neighborhood for free in lockdown New Orleans, an overwhelmed coroner in Georgia, a Maryland restauranteer forced to close his family business after 46 years, an Arizona teacher wrestling with her fears and her obligations to her students, rural citizens adamant that the whole thing is a hoax, and retail workers attacked for asking people to wear masks, patients struggling to breathe, and doctors desperately trying to save them. Through Saslow's masterful, empathetic interviewing, we are given a kaleidoscopic picture of a people dealing with the unimaginable. These deeply personal accounts make for cathartic reading as we see Americans at their worst and at their resilient best. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gave this one a four and a half stars. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a little soon. Okay. <laughs> like, I saw this book on our new bookshelves when it first came out. Um, gosh, it had to have been a year and a half ago. Like, this came out early on in all of this um and I just remember looking at it and going like wow I'd really like to read that book I'm surprised that there was or I was surprised that there was already something published about COVID and having the stories so it was nice because it was like each chapter was very different so I could pick it up and put it down really easily and not have to follow a storyline but it did go chronologically starting in March of 2020 he started interviewing people um it was really brutal It was really brutal. Like, all the different accounts. I mean, there were interviews of people who ended up dying of COVID. There were interviews of family members who lost people from COVID. There were people who, you know, like, so many different things. The the stories didn't always always end well. Yeah. And that's the reality of nonfiction like this. But um, 
it was it was nice that it kind of picked up and left off and got so many different points of view. Um, I appreciated that the author did try to find a few different points of view. He did include a few, um, but most people were people who were very deeply affected by COVID, but he did include a few interviews from people who um, had varying opinions on COVID masking and things like that. So um, that was kind of nice to just see because there, I mean, it all affected all of us in different ways. And so no matter your opinion on it, um, I felt that those were worth including from a historical standpoint. Did the book feel like it was biased in any way, like slanted a particular way? Definitely towards people who believed in COVID, but not like okay. politically. Okay. No. Um, yeah, it, it definitely gave it like a, a critical point of view, but he was trying to get as many different perspectives on it as, okay. as he could. And I could tell that for sure. Um, but that is why I gave it four and a half stars was because like I could have I, I would have appreciated a few like just a slightly more diverse as far as people who had differing opinions than the author on okay. what COVID was doing to the world. I decided that this is going to be one that I end up purchasing, Ooh. Okay. which I don't normally do for a lot of things like this. I feel that it gave such a good perspective Um and I feel like future generations need to be able to read this. So I don't have kids, awesome. but if I ever did, or nieces and nephews or whoever, like I just feel like this is something that it expands on what their history books are going to talk about. It talks about something that we very much went through. It definitely, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, although we were doing what we knew to do, this made me feel a little like I could have been doing something more important to help during COVID. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, I mean, we were here at the library doing our curbside, doing all these things, doing the best we could with the information we had and what we had, but it definitely made me think a lot through what happened and how deeply people were suffering. There was one particular account of a woman who was working at a food bank. Um, I don't remember where, but she was just talking about how they would have literally have cars lined up for miles oh my gosh. and miles and miles because people had lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was nothing else they could you do. You have to eat. And she just, you know, recounted like going, she found out that the cars were lined up for like three miles and she's like, there's no way we have enough food to feed these people. Oh. Like, like, what do, what do we do? How do we help It just, it was just brutal. And then from doctors and from, people who had COVID and were scared and I don't know it was just it was really really brutal Mm -hmm. um it yeah it just it was it was a very enlightening read from that perspective even having read a lot and experienced a lot in this um it just it was a really enlightening read it also made me feel very seen I felt like it a lot of the people that were interviewed really talked about things that I felt about like just the anxiety that we all felt um having had COVID how hard that is and then um other um accounts just made me really feel like I was seeing it through new eyes reading the accounts from doctors and nurses especially did that no matter what what we read on the internet this definitely gave it a more thorough look so Four out of five stars. When you're ready for it, definitely recommend it. Like I said, it was a little soon for me. Yeah. I feel like five years from now, it would probably be something that I would probably come back to because I think that that distance, hopefully, will um, create some, you know, 
just some different feelings, but um, I feel like this is an important book. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely recommend in like five years. Yeah. (laughs) I'm with you though. I might, I feel like I might read it now-ish and then see where, like how I feel in like three or five years, like how much distance gives you a little more clarity or like a little more like healing from all the stress of it and just, yeah. Yeah, I think that's ways. that's the word that I would use is the healing. Like I feel like the scab is still there. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's not healed over. It's still itchy. Mm-hmm. That's I think where it's like it's just it's there. Yeah, but it's nowhere near healed. Yeah. So yeah, and I think it would be interesting to read because I had a very different COVID experience mm-hmm. than you guys had. Um, yeah. I was able to work from home, and so yeah. I didn't have to leave and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I just, I was, I was sheltered from a lot of it mm-hmm. for that reason. Um, I would do the grocery store pickup. So I really wasn't going out. I would, you know, when I had to get my medicine, I was calling the pharmacy for them to bring it out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I didn't even think of things like the food kitchen miles and miles long. Um, yeah. you know, it, so I, I'd be, I would be interested to read it. Um, yeah. To see how it would hit. Yeah. No. For like a lot of what I was sheltered from. Yeah. yeah. Totally. No, I, I mean, like I said, it's easy to pick up and put down. So yeah. I'd be curious if it's on audio. I did not look to see if they have an audio version of it. Cause I feel like that would probably be pretty decent too. But okay. yeah, it was, it was a good read and yeah, definitely gives you more perspectives and makes me think through like if hopefully this would never happen, but if there were a do over. What would I do differently? Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's good to grow, even if we never were to experience something like that again, which hopefully we won't. But, like, to learn things and, and to reflect on, okay, how could I have done things differently even had I known what I know now? Yeah. Even if it's just, like, oh, I'm afraid to donate blood, but, like, next time I would have donated blood. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. I would have been going to the grocery store and getting more groceries for people to bring to food pantries. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I'll be curious to see if there's an audiobook copy of it, too, because kind of tying back to your other read um there's a book called the only plane in the sky mm-hmm. which is a really that's really on my good, tbr oh my gosh mm-hmm. it's such a good oral history of 9-11 but yeah. the audiobook has the actual phone calls oh, so like where wow. you read them in the book oh, you actually hear some of them in the audio and so i wonder Ooh. if he was actually able to like talk with some of these people because i'm sure when you're interviewing people starting in March 2020, some of those have to be like Zoom interviews or oh, yeah. like recorded audio. Yeah. So I'd be yeah. curious to see. Yeah, that would be a really interesting. I'll have to, when I get to the only plane in the sky, listen to the audio if I think I can it's, handle it. It was such a good book, but it was really intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, keeping with like the history theme, um, my second book was The House of Kennedy uh, by mm. my buddy Jimmy P. JP, James Patterson. Um, (laughs) This is unique for James Patterson because, well, I guess it's not unique. He's written a couple of these, but this is not like his traditional like mystery fiction book. It was an actual nonfiction like biography of the Kennedy family. Um, So the description on Goodreads says, across decades and generations, the Kennedys have been a family of charismatic adventurers raised to take risks and excel. Their name is synonymous with American royalty. Their commitment to public service is legendary, but for all of their success, the family has been blighted by assassination, fatal accidents, drug and alcohol abuse, and scandal. 
To this day, the Kennedys occupy a unique, contradictory place in the world's imagination, at once familiar and unknowable, charmed and cursed. The Kennedy Curse is a revealing, fascinating account of America's most famous family as told by the world's most trusted storyteller. Wow, Jimmy P. Yeah, um, fantasy. Also funny that it says the Kennedy Curse is a revealing, fascinating account when the book is called House of Kennedy. And they refer to the family throughout the book as the House of Kennedy. Huh. So it's interesting. It's a, a very, very thorough history of the Kennedy family, starting with... Oh, and as I'm going to say this, as someone of Welsh and Irish descent, I feel comfortable saying this. It's very confusing because so many of their names are Joseph and Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it starts with JFK's grandfather um, immigrating from Ireland to the United States, landing in Boston, um, and then kind of going from there, his family's history. So it was a lot more, I was kind of expecting it to be really heavily around JFK, um, and like Jackie Kennedy, but it was very thorough in like almost all the Kennedy lives. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. JFK Jr. and Ted Kennedy and uh, uh, oh my gosh, Bobby Kennedy are very famous Kennedys as well. But they go into like all of JFK's siblings and kind of their lives wow. too. Um, it was it's very interesting. Uh, I'm 96% of the way done. I'm actually very <laughs> mad at myself that I didn't have 20 extra minutes today to finish before we filmed. Um, but it was a really, it's a really interesting account of, yeah, I mean, like they say in the description, a family that almost everybody knows at least a little something about, yeah. but nobody quite knows everything about mm-hmm. them because they had so much going on. Um, of John F. Kennedy's, like, generation of Kennedys, there were nine of them. Oh. Nine. Cool. And his first three siblings, um, his oldest sibling dies in a... Uh, in, Navy plane crash or he wasn't in the Air Force which is weird but he was in a plane crash um, and then his oldest sister who's the next in line from the old, eldest brother dies in a plane crash oh. and then his sister after his eldest sister um, this was wild I could not I have to tell this story because I was like what I was driving listening to the audiobook and I literally said no they did not do that she um, JFK's mother goes into labor and they said you need to hold on for a little while <laughs> so that the eldest or so that the father could come home and be with her to have the baby and she's like I can't wait this baby's yeah. coming the nurse actually forced the baby back <gasps> up the birth canal for 2 hours <laughs> what absolutely insane i was like a doctor a medical professional no, and granted, oh. this is like the 1940s, 19, late 1930s, early 1940s. So this is maybe somebody who uh, doesn't have quite the credentials that we credential people with now. But holy cow, yeah. why would that be a good idea? Oh, no. um, Dad's so, important, but like, okay. Just have the baby. <laughs> just have like, the baby. If the baby's close enough to you the exit that you're pushing it back up the canal are you like technically giving birth twice i don't i don't know it's scary i don't like it needless to say two hours in the midst of the birth canal um she was very deprived of oxygen yeah when she was born she um they like had to give her a lot of medical attention um so she had some developmental delays and joseph kennedy john f kennedy's father um 
heard this wild thing. Like, we could try this this cool thing for her called a lobotomy. Oh, so no. they lobotomize her, despite his o- older children saying, like, no, I don't know, Dad, I'm reading some real dicey things about this. This doesn't sound like a good thing. Um, he goes through with it anyway. It's a botched... I mean, it's hard to lobotomize somebody in a good way, but it's a botched lobotomy. So she... Um, <laughs> The lobotomy leaves her physically and mentally handicapped. Um, she cannot speak. She can barely move. So they just institutionalize her um, and kind of bury it under the rug. Oh, my gosh. Um, it was always Joseph Kennedy's dream for his kids to be in politics. So they kind of institutionalize her and shut her away so that they could hopefully, like, accelerate their other kids' careers. Not a blight on their record. Yeah. Um, so that was horrific to listen to and, like, to learn about. But um, it does go through um, JFK. It's actually really kind of funny how quickly it passes over JFK's assassination. Oh. Um, which, when you think about, like, in the grand scheme of, like, a hundred years of a family's history, it is, it's a big deal, but it's, like, a small, it's only, like, a small portion of time. Right. Yeah. Um, so it talks a little bit about his presidency and the assassination and, like, the hunt to find um, Lee Harvey Oswald. I almost said John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> <laughs> different Although, assassination. Different assassination. They do um, mention a couple of the comparisons um, and like the really weird coincidences between Lincoln's assassination and Kennedy's assassination. So that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so now I'm I'm like so close to the end. I'm so close to being done, and it's talking more about like Ted Kennedy scandals, um, Bobby Kennedy's assassination, John F. Kennedy Jr.'s many scandals. Um, it's interesting. I. Would recommend it for sure if you're a history person and if you are interested in the lives of the Kennedys. Um, I think James Patterson leaves it a little open-ended as to whether or not you... They reference the Kennedy curse a lot. Um, Jackie Kennedy believed the family was cursed. Um, The eldest Kennedy daughter um, of like JFK's siblings believed the family was cursed. So it's interesting, but they definitely... James Patterson leaves it very open-ended as to whether you think it's actually like a curse a plight upon this particular family or whether um, a very driven, very hard father, a very um, politically engaged and like socially engaged family, a very, like they said, drug abusive, Mm -hmm. alcohol abusive people maybe just constantly found themselves in Mm -hmm. bad positions. Obviously like a fatal plane crash. Um, the, The eldest son that dies in the armed services in the plane crash was like, lauded as a hero he did it in like the secret mission attack in world war ii so like obviously a very noble death the eldest sister was told we should not fly the weather is horrible we we think there might be a little bit something wrong with the plane and she was like we have to get i think they were going to greece we have to get to santorini like fly this plane right now and they were like okay you're a kennedy i can't tell you no and the plane crashed so um yeah, it's interesting. There's definitely times where you're like, oh, maybe there is a creepy curse on the Kennedys. And then there are times where you're like, no, you guys just need to make better choices. Yeah. Make yeah. some better choices. Kind of walked into that one. Yeah. Right? So some very interesting history. I liked yeah. it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. But man, the trauma of having your two eldest kids both killed in a plane crash. Ugh. And that's, I just finished a like part where. Ones. <laughs> yeah, I just finished a part where they were trying to get um, John F. Kennedy Jr. 
as a child onto a plane, like a small prop plane. It was going to be like a quick little buzz over like a pond or something. And Jackie was like, absolutely not. No, no. no. These children do not get on anything but yeah. jumbo jets. They do not fly in little planes like oh, that. Yeah. No. I, I don't ever. blame her. Yeah. Don't blame her. Horrifying. So yeah. it's very interesting. I'm liking it. Okay. Yeah, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. Another Jimmy P under my belt. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love the Goodreads description that he's the, what did you say? The world's, <laughs> the world's most legendary <laughs> storyteller. Oh, world's most trusted most storyteller. Most trusted storyteller. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, like, I, I mean, that's quite the statement. That yeah. is a... That's a statement. I mean, he does have how many bookshelves filled in our specific library? Right. I don't know. Yeah, he's but... not totally wrong, but also, like, James, did like, you write like that yourself? Right? Did you write that yourself? Right. Well? Sure, he's great. I haven't read much. Like, but... dang, that's a big yeah, accolade a... to write yeah. about yourself. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Come on, Jimmy. He Jimmy. knows what he's about. He does. Exactly. He definitely does. <laughs> all right. Well, again, on the staying on the note of history... Um, we just read all the history. We did. Mm. Um, my second book was historical fiction. Um, and that was all the light we cannot see. Um, and so I mentioned, I'd read another book by this author, um, Anthony, I think it's Doer, 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 Doer. um, Anthony, uh, we're just going to be on first name basis. Tony, pal. Uh, pal Tony. Uh, we, or he, we, the two of us, <laughs> he wrote a book, um, called Cloud Cuckoo Land, and I loved that book so much. Like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's hefty. It's a commitment. Um, but just the way that he ties the stories together and tells the stories, it's just so good. Um, so the Goodreads description for All the Light We Cannot See, um, it's, Mari Lore lives in Paris near the Museum of Natural History where her father works. When she is 12, the, Nazi ocup- the Nazis occupy Paris and father and daughter flee to the walled citadel of San Malo, where Mari Lore's reclusive great uncle lives in a tall house by the sea. With them, they carry what might be the museum's most valuable and dangerous jewel. In a mining town in Germany, Warner uh, Warner, an orphan, grows up with his youngest sister, enchanted by a crude radio they find that brings them news and stories from places they have never seen or imagined. Warner becomes an expert at building and fixing these crucial new instruments and is enlisted to use his talents to track down the resistance. Deftly interweaving the lives of Mari Lore and Warner, Dewar illuminates the ways against all odds people try to be good to one another. Hmm. Um, so... That being said, my Goodreads description is, this book was heavy. It's what I imagined a very realistic view of what people went through in World War II would be. There wasn't much about this that was happy. And I do get it. It's not a happy time in history, but still, it was heavy. I don't know another word for it. It was well-written. I do like the author. I'm just a little too soft to read a book that doesn't have anything happy in it. Mm. Um, I'm glad I read it, and I do recommend it. Um, just know that it's bleak, and I stand by that. Um, it is really good. Um, Anthony Doerr put, uh provides some really well-fleshed-out characters. You really feel for them. Um, you really kind of get a glimpse of the French resistance and what occupied France looks like. So I know there's a lot of, like historical fiction about the World War II time period, but I feel like each one is kind of told from, like, a different perspective. Um, so this one, I hadn't read one about French-occupied World War II, um, 
so that was very interesting. Um, reading about Mari Laura, she's blind, and so, you know, her having to learn how to navigate where she is and how she does that and her relationship with her family. And then Werner lives a very different life. He um, is a German, and so he is a Nazi youth. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Hitler youth. Hitler youth, Hitler yeah. youth, just a Nazi youth. Um, and he's just this, like, brilliant kid, and he's able to really figure out the radio situation, and so he's really heavily used. And you kind of see... This might be a baby spoiler, so I apologize. Stop now if you don't want a spoiler. (laughs) Um, You kind of see his transition from being a brainwashed Hitler youth to seeing, wow, this really isn't a good thing that we're doing here. Mm. Um, And, I mean, I guess it kind of has a satisfying ending, but really nothing about it is makes you feel good. Like, yeah. Even a lot of the World War II books that you read have some, like, encouraging story of hope Mm -hmm. and resilience and strength. And, like, this does to an extent, but this one's just really heavy. And, again, Dewar beautifully weaves their stories together. That's one of his, like, talents that I've noticed throughout these two books that I've read, that he's just really good um, at tying the books together in ways that you don't see until the very end. Because you're just like, I don't... I don't understand how these these are parallel, but, like, how are they going to intersect? How are they going to, like, right. go together? Yeah. Um, and, and they do. And when you re- when it's revealed, you're just like, Tony. Tony. Tony D. <laughs> how you did that? Um, so this is a really good book. Um, if you like um, historical fiction, especially, like, World War II status, this is really good. Um, just, again, it's it's bleak. Yeah. So, they said extreme feelings on both ends. One made me real angry, um, and the other one made me real sad. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, but a a really good book. I'm glad that I put it on my TBR list based on the cover, um, because that one was a that one's a really good one. Good. I'm so glad you enjoyed one of them. I did. I enjoyed them both. I mean, I know you enjoyed the other one too, but like, Uh, yeah, the maidens is gonna sit rent free in my head probably forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. But also a good job, author. Yeah, yeah right. That you did a thing. Probably got thing. what they Ugh. went for, right? Yeah. Hopefully Aww. our next two are less bleak. Yes. We'll find yeah. out. Okay, so our next reads for the TBR podcast, we pre-pulled these again to make sure that they are actually in our collection, yes. uh, which oh, we had to draw a couple a few times yeah. My, when you have 1800 books on your tbr list <clears> and, uh, <throat> exactly. some of them can't be in the library <laughs> um so my sierra's pick for me was deep water by patricia highsmith which is another one that i don't know why i put it on my tbr list okay. but we'll see okay um and then danielle's pick for me i do remember why this is on my tbr list was called dear teen me authors write letters to their teen selves um, and I love to write and I think that, that the idea of like writing to your past self is really cool. So I remember, I remember putting that on my TBR list, um, specifically cause I thought it sounded really interesting. So hopefully less bleak. Yes. I was going to say also, hopefully we'll get you two further down your list. Cause you were at what? 1805. I was at 1825 last time we recorded. I'm at 1805 now. Oh, Look okay. at you. Okay. That's pretty Good. That's very good. I'm making it a dent. Oh, yeah. Just a little choo-choo train chugging along. 
Yeah. I love Down it. my 1800 tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Well, I mean, I can't say much because I still have, I think I have 33. I don't remember how many I had last time. I'd have to look back. But um, Caroline's pick for me was The Bad Beginning by Lemony Snicket. That's a kid's book. Okay. It's the first in series of unfortunate events, what? which somehow I've gotten through my whole life without reading yet. So I'm excited to read that. Such a popular series yeah. with the kids. So, yeah. um, And then Danielle's pick for me is a newer book that's quite popular. It's Book Lovers by Emily Henry. It has had a long holds list. I did put it on hold. There are only like three people ahead of me, so I think I'm going to get it. Yes. <laughs> so exciting. I love yeah. that book. And, and neither of these are going to be quite, I mean, series of unfortunate events is what it is, but it's a kid's book. It's going to be very different than the last two yes. that I've yes. read. You and I am, I am ready for it, yes. let me tell you. <laughs> Ooh, the heavy non-fic is doing me in. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I actually, I think I went up cause I have 151 now. Um, I don't remember how many I had last time, but I know I've, I've gone on a spree and I've, I've put on a lot. There's really on only the one TBR. of us that needs to chisel the list down. Well, right. That's We're true. Just, the <laughs> others of us are doing it for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> going along with me liking historical fiction books, um, Sierra pulled the lovely war, um, by Julie Berry for me. Um, this one I know I put on my list because it's historical fiction. Um, it's World War One and World War Two, but it's also also it's also got mythology in it. Oh, so it's got some Greek gods, and we talked about today uh, with the maidens. I really like mythology, so this ties in two of my great loves. Yay. Um, and then Caroline pulled the very secret society of irregular witches, and I guess along with the theme of names, I can't say. <laughs> um, I think it's Sangu Mandana. There you go. Um, so Look at you sounding it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hooked on phonics. Um, so <laughs> this one I put on my TBR list um, for the same reasons I put the other two. Um, it, I just see it all the time. And I actually do have quite a few friends on Goodreads who have read it recently and highly rated it. Mm. Um, I think I had already had it on my TBR list when I started to see their ratings come in, but it just made me more excited. Like, oh, I really got to get to that book. And here we are. Look at you. Are. And we can't not have a witch book, apparently. Oh, yeah. So, although <laughs> it's not Sarah Caroline. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not Caroline. Now it's no, Danielle. It's me. But I mean, Sierra's got to get some witch dream. books on the list. Yeah. <laughs> that yep, is such there we a go. funny theme. Yeah. This is the third one in a row where we pulled a witch okay. book. And Fun. it's still spring. Yeah, it is still not Halloween. Still, yeah, not. it's okay. It's all right. We'll get there. It is what it. We're is. probably gonna be reading Christmas books for Halloween. It's, there you go. I feel like, and podcast listeners, you can tell us if we pull a Christmas book in July, we have permission to redraw, right? Uh, yeah. I well, can't read I Christmas books. But well, Christmas, Christmas in, in July. July. <laughs> Wait, I was gonna say Hallmark has made a whole holiday out of this. <laughs> yeah, we could. Okay, hold we on, could. maybe. Maybe okay. in July when it's a hundred gazillion degrees outside, we will want Christmas. I'll be dreaming of snow. Right That's now, true. we're not quite there, Mm-mm. but Too we soon. might be in July. So That's true. Yeah, I can almost assure you, I will be. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us in another installment of the TBR podcast. This has been Caroline. And Sierra. And I'm Danielle. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. 
Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.